You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, episode 193. Millard Fillmore. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, when I was young, probably elementary to middle school time period, I had a book and it was called Yo Millard Fillmore. And it was a book about all of the presidents and it was kind of a way to remember who they were and how to remember their names with mnemonic devices and stuff like that. And you know what? The president I know the least about, or we've joked about this many times, we knew the least about is Millard Fillmore. And that was what the book was called. So I guess it didn't work, but here we are talking <laughs> about Millard Fillmore anyway. Yeah, I think that Old Millard, he gets the distinction of being the least known president, but probably the best known name, but least known. I don't know if that makes sense. But whenever you think of who's the least known president, Millard Fillmore, when in fact, I didn't know a lot about Polk, I have to admit. And the whole Zachary Taylor thing, I, I have them all out of order. So out of order that... I got a little carried away. This is my fault that I got a little carried away about the Mexican-American War and ended up forgetting about the forgetful president. So <laughs> a couple of you brought that to uh, my attention, and I accept responsibility. I'll um, let you take the blame. That's yeah, fine. I totally. I, I screwed up. Well, hey, we're going to fix it now, and we're going to start out by talking about Millard Fillmore's birth slash early life, etc. Millard Fillmore was born in a log cabin, like, again, so many of the men during this time uh, that went on to become president. And he was born near the Finger Lakes region in New York State on January 7th, 1800. And his family is kind of a big family for the time period, even. Um, You know, there's some others that seem to be shrinking a little bit, but his parents, Phoebe and Nathaniel, they end up having eight children, and he is the second uh, the oldest son of them all. So, of course, you know, he's destined to be uh, the favorite, uh, the favorite son. And his parents and family in general have kind of a long history in the area. And they're some of the first people to settle the area and are really just involved and known and politically active for that matter. If you're ever touring around Massachusetts and Connecticut, you're going to see the Fillmore name and you'll know. Hey. This is the stopping grounds of Millard's ancestors. But uh, they had their good times, and more immediately, they had their bad times. So what ends up happening in Millard's family, his immediate family, is his dad gets some bad land, and they can't really do anything with it. 
So they end up moving and they leased a farm and his dad taught school sometimes, but Millard, he worked pretty hard and he ends up not getting that much of a formal education, but he really loves to read books. So log cabin loves to read books. You're going to become president. That's pretty much the formula. (laughs) Yeah. So Millard's parents are, you know, they're, they're hardworking people. They're moving on through. And eventually Nathaniel, his, his father becomes really well regarded and he gets chosen to serve in a couple different local offices. He becomes the justice of the peace at one point. And when Millard is 14, he tries to enlist uh, in the war of 1812 and his dad is like, you know what? I really would prefer that you learn a trade. Plus, you're only 14, so we should probably, you know, hold off a couple of years on sending you off to die. And he ends up sending him to be an apprentice to Benjamin Hungerford, who is a cloth maker. And Millard is like, I really don't like this. I'm not actually learning anything. I'm just doing what I consider menial labor. And he leaves. So his father's like, okay, well, that's fine. I'm going to I'm gonna put you somewhere else in a place of new hope. And uh, he puts him doing the same thing. <laughs> and so <laughs> Miller Fillmore's like, nah, I'm, this isn't me. He ends up buying a share in a, uh, in a library, and that way he could read any books he ever wanted to as much as possible. And he ends up meeting a girl just like you would expect uh, in 1819 he meets Abigail Powers and they fall in love. So the best thing that happens in any story is that you fall in love with a girl and your family decides, "Hey, let's move." <laughs> so <laughs> they uh they move to Montville and uh and while they're there in Montville, Nathaniel, his dad, calls up the judge and says, hey, Judge Walter Wood, uh, you're our landlord. We pay our rent. We're pretty good, respectable people, right? You're wealthy. How about letting our son, Millard, here, how about making him your law clerk? Just Let's just try it out. So Judge Wood says, well, of course, I'll be glad to do that. And Millard reads law, and he teaches school for three months and after 18 months Millard's like dude judge hey where's my where's my money and uh I was gonna break out in song then judge better have my (laughs) money but I'm not going to so anyway so Millard's not making very much money at all but he earns a couple of nickels by helping out a farmer who was involved in a lawsuit. So he's getting a little bit of cash for that. And the judge is like, nope, I do not like that at all. And Millard takes off. So uh, Millard goes back to his family. And Nathaniel, his dad, again, is like, hey, let's move. Let's, Let's move to Erie County. And that's near Buffalo. And... The Fillmore's take up residence there in that area, and life gets a little bit better for the family. So in 1821, uh, Millard Fillmore is 21 years old, which means he is independent legally from his father. 
And so he goes to East Aurora and ends up teaching school there. And he gets a few different cases in uh, the courts, in the Justice of the Peace courts. And in order to do those cases, you don't need to be a licensed practitioner. So that's perfect for him. Well, he moves to Buffalo the next year and continues studying law which we all know any good president who was born in a log cabin and doesn't get a formal education and studies law is going to be a good president. And <laughs> <laughs> he gets engaged to Abigail, the woman he had met uh, previously. In 1823, he gets admitted to the bar, and he's like, you know what? I don't really want to go to Buffalo. It's kind of intimidating to me. It's a big city, but I'm going to be, the, I'm going to be a lawyer in East Aurora. And because he was in East Aurora and he was the only one there, a lot of people in Buffalo knew him already. So uh, it ended up being a kind of a good move for him. And in 1826, just five years after he moves to uh, East Aurora, uh, he and Abigail get married and uh, start their happy little life together. So for those of you who think, what's going on in Buffalo, New York? Well, in the 18... 18- 20s, 1830s, it's becoming quite a prosperous place. It was pretty much destroyed. Well, let's not say pretty much. It was destroyed during the War of 1812 because those British, well, they burned the town down. But a lot of cool things started popping up in Buffalo, uh, among them being the Erie Canal. Uh, It was the western uh, terminus for that amazing project and the town is booming so Fillmore is enjoying some success by being a lawyer there in that area and Fillmore becomes a big influence on turning this small village of Buffalo into an incorporated city so because of all the influence that Millard has in Buffalo with that including developing the city charter and being a successful attorney. He founds the Buffalo High School Association. He becomes influential in his church, which was a Unitarian church, and he is known as being one of the leading citizens of Buffalo. And, you know, while he's up there enjoying wings, and I wonder if he knew, like, Tim Russert's dad. (laughs) Probably not. Um, He was active in the New York militia and was a major in the 47th Brigade. So Fillmore is a delegate to the New York Convention, and this convention endorses President uh, John Quincy Adams for re-election, and he's an anti-Mason. He's an anti-Masonic Party member, and they... uh, really look to him for a lot of guidance because he is one of the most, you know, like Jason said, one of the leading citizens in East Aurora. And at this point, he decides he's going to end up moving to Buffalo because, well, a lot of my business is in Buffalo anyway. The East Aurora population has kind of put me on that pedestal almost, and they end up moving there, and he doesn't end up seeking re- re-election in 1831. And so shortly after they move there, only a year later, so he ends up not being absent from politics for real long, he ends up running for the House of Representatives. And he starts to realize that the anti-Masonic party isn't really a party that has a lot of values uh, 
that are anything other than being anti-Mason to really run on. And so the anti-Masonic party, this is when they start to like kind of fizzle out, I guess you could say, and they end up making this Whig party, which is, as we've discussed many times in the past, formed from national Republicans, from the anti-Masonic party, from Democrats who aren't happy anymore with the Democratic party. And of course, just basically anybody who doesn't like Andrew Jackson. <laughs> and so, of course, they uh, they have a lot of other things going on as well. You know, they're they're um, really supportive of economic growth, and they want to recharter the Second Bank of the United States. Uh, they want to federally fund different improvements to roads and bridges and stuff like that. And this guy named Weed, uh, he ends up joining the Whigs uh, as well. And he and Fillmore are friends. They had met back when they were in uh, Buffalo and East Aurora and had um, kind of become movers and shakers, I guess you could say, in this kind of uh, the crew that they ran with, I guess you could say. Yeah. So don't forget that name, Thurlow Weed, which if you're going to say Millard Fillmore is a weird name, well, I think that we just got topped by Thurlow. Thurlow Weed. I don't know any weeds. I wonder if we have any listeners who are members of the Weed family. If your last name is Weed, let us know. (laughs) So you know how it is with national politics and local politics. Sometimes one is lagging behind, and that was the case with anti-masonry in western New York. It's still a pretty big deal in the 1830s, even though on the national level, eh, it's kind of fizzling. And uh, the anti-masons decide to go with somebody else instead of Millard in 1834. So Fillmore's like, no, I'm not going to do the wig thing. Uh, because what's going to end up happening is you're going to have everybody who doesn't like Andy Jack dividing that point of view, and Andy Jack will win. So despite all of that, he's got a lot of navigation to go around with our buddy, uh, William Seward, who you know him, right? Yeah. We know a lot about old Seward and his folly, but... Fillmore and Seward become pretty much rivals throughout their career, even though they're on the same side of the aisle, politically speaking. But um, Fillmore does succeed in 1836 by accepting the Whig nomination for Congress. And despite Martin Van Buren being a big deal at that point in history, Western New York is like, eh, we don't support Marty. We're going to elect a Whig, and that Whig is Millard Fillmore. So, woohoo, Fillmore. <laughs> so, there's the rising discussion about slavery and anti slavery and whatever way you want to approach it. And Fillmore dislikes slavery, but at the same time, he also doesn't really see a reason why it should be a political issue. He thinks it definitely shouldn't be a federal issue. If anything, it should be a state issue. And Seward, who we're talking about here, uh, really hates slavery. And he says that he will actually refuse to return slaves to Southerners, which that gets interesting later as well in Fillmore's actions, etc., as the president. So 
that little spat kind of continues and it brings slavery into the mix. And this is kind of where we see where uh, film wars, because we've tried to make a point uh, during this early time in history, uh, in our country's history, of pointing out each president's positions on slavery and other big issues of the day. And so this is kind of where we see film wars, well, he's against it and he definitely hates it and he makes speeches to say that, but he doesn't think it's the government's job to have an influence on it. And so it kind of creates some pro, almost pro-slavery actions on his part that we'll discuss at least a little bit here in a little bit. Yeah. So if you remember when we talked about Franklin Pierce and his life, here he is a northerner. Now he's a Democrat, but here he is up in New Hampshire doing his thing. Really sounds like a southerner, even though he's from the north. And Fillmore, similarly, although he is a Whig or what would become a Republican or a know nothing, <laughs> any myriad of names that the other side of the aisle could be called, Fillmore is taking up a stance of states' rights, which don't Democrats usually do that in this era? That just goes to show how. Locally, you might lose some of your mojo, but on the national level, that might be appealing. And that's exactly what happens when Zachary Taylor decides to run for president and they select Millard Fillmore to be his running mate, which we will cover in the next episode. Yep, that's right. We'll get into the election of 1848 and some other stuff too. Uh, When we do the next episode here on Thursday. But for now, we want to remind you that if you like the show, you can support us on Patreon. Go to electioncollege.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N to show us, hey, I think what you guys are doing is awesome, and here's 11 cents per episode. Now, of course, we'd be grateful if you gave more than that, but 11 cents an episode is only a dollar a month. So, hey, I could give up a dollar a month to support a podcast I love. In fact, I do to many of them. So hopefully you can too. Yeah, and where else are you going to have so much fun talking about Millard Fillmore? I mean, that's true. Come on, yeah. really? Everybody else, I mean, you guys, you guys can't see it, but we're really good looking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of good looking, go over to our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram accounts where you won't see too much of us, but you will see a Millard Fillmore this week who kind of looks like a celebrity that we'll talk about and you can do that on any of those social networks we are at election college and even if you don't listen to the podcast in itunes you can help a couple of cousins out by leaving us a rating and review at itunes you can go to electioncollege.com slash itunes or if that's just totally against your character to type in itunes you can type electioncollege.com slash review and you can spend about 38.6 seconds by giving us a star rating and maybe a couple sentences telling us and everybody how much you appreciate the podcast 